Welcome to Online Church today. It's so good to have you join us. We are in a series called Sorry Not Sorry. And you can turn to your copy of God's Word to your Bible to Acts chapter 10, verse 9. That's Acts chapter 10, uh, verse 9. Well, uh, growing up, my brother always had really nice cars. He was much older than me. And so at this point, as when I was 16 years old, he was 26 years old. And he had, in 1996, a Nissan 240SX. Man, it was awesome. It was powerful. He had it souped up. And one day, he let me drive it around what we called the turnaround, which was pretty much you drove around the town in a circle, and some kids parked in the parking lots. There was this big loop. And I felt like he had this amazing sound system, and I felt like, man, look at the power that I have. There was one problem with that car, though. That car was a stick shift. There was one problem with me. I did not know how to drive a stick shift. So I got in the car and it's like, mm, mm, and I had the music blaring and I looked like a complete idiot. And so I finally got the car into second gear. Thankfully, driving around our town was 35 miles per hour. And I drove the car around in second gear. And I looked like a complete fool driving that car. So what did I do? Eventually, I just parked the car. I played the music, and I sat beside it. And as girls drove by, I was like, hey, how you doing? And that's what I had to end up doing uh, with the car. Why? Because I didn't know how to upshift it. How do I get it into the next gear? Eventually, I did figure it out. And when I did, and when he let me borrow that car, it was like the guys on Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I was driving as fast as I could in that sports car. Hopefully, he won't be watching this today, so he'll never know that that ever happened. But what happened to me with that car, with a stick shift, is what happens to many of us when it comes to our mindsets. And what I want to talk to you about today is this. I want to talk to you about making the shift, making the shift. One of our values at Thrive is maturity. We talked about living on mission last week. All of our values are M's. Today is maturity. And we believe that as followers of Jesus, we're called, we're required, commanded to mature in our faith, meaning this, we're required to make some shifts. And what we're going to look at in Acts chapter 10 this morning is we're going to look at a time when one of the greatest church leaders in history, his name was Peter, had to make a shift in leading for Christ. Now, remember, Peter is one of Jesus' our early disciples. He followed Jesus in the three and a half years of Jesus' earthly ministry. Um, when Jesus died and resurrected and then ascended, Peter was kind of the you know, de facto leader. He was a guy who came in and kind of took charge. And Jesus gave him, quote, unquote, the keys of the church and said, I need you to lead it. That sounds all well and great, but one thing happened with the explosion of Christianity in the, in, in the mid, uh, early to, to mid-first century, and the problem was this. The problem was is that when it exploded, it exploded among the Jews because Christ came for the Jews first, right? The, he came for the lost sheep of Israel, but here's what happened. They were very powerful in Jerusalem. The church began to grow rapidly, but they didn't know how to figure out with these non-Jews, do they need to become Jews and then Christians? Can they really follow Jesus without being fully a Jew? Because Jews deep down inside believed and were taught that they were special to God, which they were and they are. Uh, they were taught that their nation was better than other nations. 
And they were taught by Judaism that Gentiles could never be fully Jews. And so they had this mental problem, like what do we do with these Gentiles? Well, here's the other problem that happened. Gentiles began to get saved as well. So one of the struggles of the whole New Testament you'll see as you read the New Testament and the book of Acts is, what do we do with these people who are considered unclean and less than citizens? What do we do with these people called Gentiles who are non-Jews, which are most of us watching today? What do we do with them because they're not really as good as we are, right? There was a race issue. There was elitism. There was nationalism involved. And I want you to watch what God does. And what happens to Peter with the issue that he had in Acts chapter 10, when you look at that, here's what happens. It says, as the next day, as Cornelius's messengers were nearing town, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He was up on the roof, if you know that song. Now, what's happened is this. Cornelius was also given a message from God saying, you need to go to Peter and tell him, Don't call what is clean unclean, meaning the Gentiles. And so look at what God does, though, and how God speaks to Peter in this situation. It says it was about noon, and he was hungry. He was probably a little hungry or maybe even a little hangry at noon. It says, but while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. Maybe he was, you know, fell into a daydream. He slept a little bit, not sure, but he fell into what they call a trance. And watch this. He saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles and birds. And then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. This is what happens when you fall asleep hungry. You have dreams about food, right? But God says to Peter, get up, kill and eat them. He sees all all these different types of meats. And look what Peter says, no, Lord. I mean, so Peter's the one who's always telling God, no, remember in in, in the Gospels when Peter followed Jesus, he was always saying, no, Jesus, you'll never go to the cross. No, like he's the guy who will rebuke God, right? Only person ever. He says, no, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws had declared impure and unclean. Now pay attention here. God is saying, go do this. However, Peter's cultural upbringing told him, you just didn't do that. And he's having a struggle at this moment from from obeying God or relying upon all the things that he's been taught growing up. But the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Why is that? Peter must have been a slow learner. It says, then the sheet was suddenly pulled up into heaven, and Peter was very perplexed. What could this vision mean? That's what Peter was asking. Just then, the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's, that was his other name, Peter's house. Standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up and go downstairs and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. And they had the same message for Peter that God just showed him in the vision. What you have to realize is this is the struggle of the New Testament. That Jews thought that Gentiles were unclean. How can Gentiles be really saved? How can they experience the same fullness of salvation to be fully right with God without being fully Jew? The questions were asked, how many of the Jewish laws do they need to obey? What festivals, what, is it Passover or, or 
tabernacles? What do they need to attend to be Jews? Like, what are the checklists so Gentiles can fully participate in salvation with the Jews? If you read Romans and Galatians and you look through those books, that's what the struggle is. And that's what Paul is writing about, the very thing that Peter is struggling with here. And what you're going to see when you read the book of Acts and you read the New Testament, here's what you've got to realize. Peter had to make some shifts. Peter had to make some shifts. And in our lives, we're going to take some some cues from Peter because if we're going to mature, if we're going to reach our full potential, if we're going to continue to grow in Christ, you and I are going to do the same thing too. And so if our value at Thrive is maturity, we want you to continue to mature in your faith. We want you to grow. We believe that you should take next steps. Here's what you and I need to understand from Acts chapter 10. And you can write this down to your notes. Growth requires making mental shifts. Say that one more time if you're writing notes this morning. Growth requires making mental shifts. Meaning that in life, if you're going to grow, you can't drive the car like I drove it. If you're going to grow, you can't stay in second gear. There's a point in time that you've got to continue to shift and make shifts in your life to grow and to learn. Matter of fact, there was a study done, and this study said that there were 20-year-olds right around 2021, and they were interviewed, and they said, how many of you believe that you'll change in these 10 major areas in 10 years? 95% of 20-year-olds said, I would never change in those areas. Very little change. When 30-year-olds were interviewed on those same areas, values, thoughts, beliefs, behaviors, um, things that mattered that didn't matter, the 30-year-olds said this. They said, I've changed 95%. The 20-year-olds said, I won't change. The 30-year-olds said, I had to. What happened? And they kept doing this study, and they realized that every 10 years, most people begin to make great shifts in their life about what they value, what they believe, what they wrestle, what they want to support, what they want to get behind. And here's what you and I have to realize. As we grow spiritually, we've got to continue to make shifts, mental shifts about the way we think about things. Because that's what had happened with Peter. Peter was locked into some ideas and things in his life that would have held him back. He did have some prejudice. He did have some racism in him. He did think less of Gentiles. Matter of fact, we'll look at this a little later, but he wouldn't even go eat with them and he had to get called out. Peter had elitism. He believed that his race was elite. And to that point in history, yes, they were elite in God's eyes because God was sending Jesus through them. And they needed to to be able to have the seed of Messiah come through the the lineage and the generations. Peter also was a nationalist. He believed his nation was better than any other nation and that that God just favored his nation better than any other nation. And that's what Peter had to be confronted with. And he had to make some mental shifts. You know that if you tell somebody they're stuck in their ways, is that ever a compliment? No. But if you're like me, there are ways that, that you're stuck into old mindsets and you're locked into old paradigms that are hurting you. So there's a couple of things that happen. What keeps us locked into these old paradigms? What does that for people? Well, first of all, it's this. It's called what I, what I say the law of first truths. The law of first truths. What does that mean, Kevin? The law of first truth is this. It doesn't mean it's truth. It's what you learned first that you believe is true. Say it one more time. 
It's not that it's truth, but it's what you learn first that you then believe is truth. So if you're taught your whole life the earth is flat and then you're confronted with the with there's a round earth, there's a sphere, you would fight against that. Why? Because your whole life you've been taught a certain way. That's the law of first truths. See, the whole idea with racism and, and prejudice and all those things that happen, children don't grow up with that in them. Matter of fact, my son, if I ask him to describe Nick Fury of the Avengers, who Nick is black, my son doesn't say, oh, he's black and the other guys are white. And my son says he has an eye patch. Well, what else does he have? Well, he has one gun that he shoots with. Well, what else? He wears a black coat. My son doesn't say he is black because children don't understand that. But where I learned racism was on my granddaddy's knee. The the way I learned the N-I-G-G-E-R word was on my granddaddy's knee. It was the law of first truths. I was fed a narrative from my family that I had to break out of, right? Peter was fed a narrative. Wasn't a bad narrative, but God was shifting the narrative so Peter could lead the church where he wanted to lead him. But he had to let go of his first truth in order to embrace God's truth. Let me say it one more time. He had to let go of first truths to embrace God's truths. And so many of us are tapped into our first truths that we can't break into God's truths. Here's the second thing that keeps us locked into old mindsets, and it's this here. A lack of encounters with the truth of Scripture. Let me say it again. A lack of encounters with the truth of Scripture. The reason many of us stay locked into old mindsets, we're stuck in second gear and we're, we're just doing this spiritually like, like I was doing in the car. The reason that happens is we've not encountered the truth of Scripture. We take our cues from media. They tell us what to believe. They tell us, culture tells us what to believe. You know, their friends tell us what to believe. Celebrities tell us what to believe. And when you come to me and say, well, what's your stance on this, Pastor I love us. Go ahead and bring it on if you're going to do that. I'm saying I stand with the Word of God. What what does the Word of God say? You need to go study the Word of God. Because any cultural issue you bring up to me, I'm going to ask you to go to the truth of Scripture. Because if you're taking your cues from society, if you're taking your cues from a political party, if you're taking your cues from something other than Scripture, then you're locked into first truths. And you have to allow the truth of Scripture to be able to confront in your life, the things that are wrong. And as I read scripture, God continues to reveal to me, Kevin, that's not the way that you need to respond. Kevin, you're doing this wrong. And you and I have a response. Either we can go our own way or we can choose God's way. But here's our problem. Here's why we don't do that. Many of us want God to comfort us, but we don't want God to confront us. Let me say that one more time. Many of us want God to comfort us. Pray for my leg. Pray for my bones. Pray for a job. Comfort me, God. Just heavenly butler, comfort me. But we don't want God to confront us. We like Jesus as the lamb, but we don't like Jesus as the lion. We like Jesus as our savior, but not Jesus as our judge. And if you're going to grow spiritually, Jesus has to be your Lord, your master, your curiosity he's called in the Greek, the Lord, to confront the things in your life that need to be confronted, that when you look at Scripture and it clearly says something, then you say, you know what? I know I've been taught this. I know I even want to do this. But you know what? This is what my authority says, and that's the Scriptures that reveal God to me. Guys, this is so important in our life. Like, you and I have to grab onto this in our life 
And if we don't, it will hurt us. If today you check out and you say, oh, this is cute and I'm trying to grow and well, here's what's going to happen to you. If you don't make mental mind shifts, if you don't make paradigm shifts, if you don't keep shifting and letting God confront you and you're not digging into Scripture, here is what's going to happen to you and here's what will happen to me. If we don't make paradigm shifts, we will never see true spiritual growth. If we don't make paradigm shifts, we're doing a whole series in Jonah in August, our next series, and it's all about Jonah trying to make paradigm shifts. And there was a nation that was caught in the balance of that. See, you and I will never truly grow. We'll never encounter the Lord. We'll never encounter our purpose. We'll never encounter the mission of God if we don't keep making paradigm shifts. We've got to continue to shift and continue to grow. You know, for me, this is super important in my life because, you know, I got saved in, in a Pentecostal church, and I'm very thankful for what I learned from, from, from my brothers and sisters there. I'm very thankful for what they taught me about the Holy Spirit. You know, many churches treat the Holy Spirit as the, you know, the, the crazy uncle at the family reunion you really don't want to get around, right? Most people believe the Holy Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. They just leave the Holy Spirit out. I was taught the value of the Holy Spirit. I was taught to value prayer. I was taught to value passionate worship. I was taught to value many things. But I'm going to tell you what also was taught to not value, and it was hurting my ministry. It was hurting my life when I went into ministry. The church I got saved in didn't care about people coming to know Christ. They could really care less about the people in the community. If they hooped and hollered and they had really, really long worship and the preaching didn't happen that day, that meant the Holy Spirit moves. Like He didn't even preach, man. Whoa, that was good. And I'm thinking, man, if Scripture's not read, how do you ever know God's heart on something? You can't just trust your feelings and what you think God says to you, right? So, like, so like that's what we valued. And we were, I was taught to not value people far from God. I was taught to devalue other denominations because they didn't really have the Holy Spirit, brother, right? I was taught all these things. And I had to unlearn so much in ministry. I had to reshape my thinking to understand God's heart about the local church. The local church was not a social club or, or membership like a golf club. Local church was not to be, let's come and hoop and holler for two hours and church was good. Man, church was good today. Well, you may have thought church was good, but God was looking saying, man, that stunk. What are y'all even doing? Like, what was that? Because the whole time, here's what we were doing. We were flipping off the community around us saying, we're here and we're going to do what we want to. If you want to come, you can come, but we ain't going after you. And we could care less about you because you're going to make us unholy if you come into this church. And that's the way that I was, when I got saved, I was brought up. They didn't mean to do that. That's just the way that they were taught, the law of first truth. But as I read scripture, I began to see the heart of the apostle Paul traveling to places that had never heard the gospel. And that when I read that heaven rejoices not when worship is good at church. Heaven doesn't rejoice whenever Kevin or Keith or Mark or Andrew, somebody preaches a good message. Heaven doesn't rejoice, listen to me, because you had a good time at church. Heaven rejoices when one sinner repents and turns their life to Christ. And I had to reshape and reshift everything I believed about what ministry should be. And I had to understand that the church is a missionary outpost put here 
to evangelize our community, to, to share the gospel with our community, and to also disciple those that come, to help them take next steps. See, I was taught, and this is why I, we, we say maturity the way that we do. Here's what I was taught. That when the Holy Spirit moves, people get goosebumps. Well, if I turn the air down cold enough in this church, you're going to get goosebumps. I was told the Holy Spirit moved when somebody spoke in tongues. I was told the Holy Spirit moved when somebody raised their hands. I was told the Holy Spirit moved if worship went really long. But here's what I came to find out about the true movement of the Holy Spirit as I read the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit moves, and you can know this, when people take next steps. They can hoop and holler and never take a next step. You can worship for three hours and never take a next step. The Holy Spirit moves when somebody says, you know what? I'm going to stop being a jerk to my spouse because God has called me to love them and to serve them. The Holy Spirit's moving whenever I'm going to stop doing the things that I'm doing that, are, that God does not appreciate. That's when the Holy Spirit moves. When you're going to start something, maybe it's starting counseling or you're going to start reading scripture. We, we judge the movement of the Holy Spirit at this church by what people do after church, not what they do in church. That was good, right? That's when the Holy Spirit moves. People take next steps. People make, make mental shifts. The Holy Spirit moved in Peter's life because he took a next step to meet with Cornelius. And we have to do the same thing, church. We have to understand that we've got to make mental shifts in our life. And here's what we have to do. If you're going to make mental shifts, here's the hard ask. And here's what I'm going to ask you this morning. Here's what I'm going to ask you today is this. Maturity comes, watch this, when you allow your old paradigms to be offended. Maturity only comes when you allow your old paradigms to be offended offended you've got to be offended like there are times you want the preacher to just comfort you when as i said before about god you need him to confront you stop getting mad at everybody that offends you about something you believe sometimes you need to pause and take consideration and say what if my whole life i've been taught this but the truth is actually that what if the law of first truth may actually be wrong. See, I was told this by, by a seminary professor. He said, you've got to offend somebody's mind to reveal their heart. And once you offend their mind, the, the, you'll have their heart revealed. And you've got to be offended sometimes. Some of the best leaders in my life have offended me spiritually, and it helped me. I was told by a seminary professor, I was really upset with him, because he gave me a zero on a paper that I made an A on. I didn't put one statement in the end that I thoughtfully and thoroughly completed every step. And he gave me a zero. And when he did his class evaluation, I thought I would be like, hey, Dr. Looper, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to, to hurt his feelings. I said, you hurt me that day you did that. I don't think that was kind of you to do that because I did the paper. You know what he said to me? He said, hmm, he says, huh, this, Kevin, that's interesting. It's from the whole class. He said, he says, um, so was Jesus always kind and, and very courteous to his disciples? Was, was he a sweetheart? Hmm. I was like, uh, and, I, and that's a loaded question, right? He says, matter of fact, Jesus called Peter Satan. He offended him. He says, Here, here's your problem, Kevin. You don't know the Christ of the Bible. <laughs> How is this when you're finishing a seminary degree and your professor says, in front of the whole class, I finished first in Greek, and he says, you don't know the Christ of the Bible. 
He says, because if you want God to always make you happy and feel good, then you're serving the wrong God. And that offended me. But you know what the truth was? He was right. And he, was, he did the right thing as a leader in my life by giving me that zero because I did not do the work that was required or necessary of what he expected. See, you've got to be offended sometimes. And a matter of fact, we thought that maybe Peter would get this in the book of Acts, right? Cornelius comes and visits, visits them, and they have this meal, and Peter's like open to the Gentiles now. Man, God's doing something among the Gentiles. Then the apostle Paul, one of the greatest Jews ever, gets saved. Like, like Peter would look to him for like cues to be a good Jew because Paul was one of the top leading teachers of the law, and he gets saved. And here's what happens. Peter does not make the shift that is necessary. He still believes that there are other the, the other Gentiles can't truly be saved and that Jews are clean and Gentiles are unclean. See, in the Jewish law, if you came in contact with a Gentile before going to temple, before going to the synagogue, you couldn't enter because you were unclean. Look what Paul does to Peter, though. And I love this. If you look at Galatians chapter 2, uh, verses 11 and 12, I love this. He says, but when Peter came to Antioch, he said, and this is Paul speaking, Peter came to Antioch. What is Antioch? Acts chapter 13, Gentile revival. That is, you can trace your spiritual roots if you're a non-Jew back to Antioch where Gentiles had an explosion of revival with Paul and Barnabas. He says, so when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face. That word face there means an actor's mask in the Greek. He had to oppose Peter to the mask that he was wearing. What was the mask? For what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. If you don't know what circumcision is and you're young in here today, um, you need to talk to your parents about it. I'm not going to explain it. But Jews believed they were right with God because they were physically circumcised. Circumcision of the flesh, it's called. But afterward, when some friends of James came, watch what happened. Some of Peter's Jewish buddies came, and look what happens. Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of the criticism from people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. Peter had to be confronted to his face, his actor's mask of the law of first truth. Paul was a Jew. Paul understood everything more than Peter did because Paul was a teacher of the law. And Paul had to confront Peter. He had to offend Peter in order for Peter to understand what was going on, to understand what God wanted to do. Friends, let me tell you this today. You and I need our paradigms offended from time to time. You need to unlearn some things to learn some new things. You need to deconstruct in order to construct. I'm always learning. The Word of God never changes. Principles of the Word of God never change. Dr. Elmer Town said it this way. He said, he said, methods are many and principles are few. Methods may change, but principles never do. The Word of God won't change, but our methods will. The way that we live out the mission of God sometimes will change in our life. And you've got to be willing to embrace it. And here's what you've got to do. And here's what I've got to do as we close this morning. 
How do we do this? How do we allow our paradigms to be offended? How do we uh, you know, grow and make these mental shifts? It's super simple. It's one thing we have to do. Release the old to embrace the new. We're going to release the old to embrace the new. If you cannot in your life grab on to the new concepts if you're still holding on to things of the past. If you're still looking at glory days and what happened in 1975, you're not going to you're not going to see what God's going to do in 2025. If you're still trying to hold on to what used to be, you'll never walk into what could be. And you and I have to allow scripture and mentors and people to confront and offend some of our mindsets that we have. Some of you have mindsets about politics that are hurting you. Some of you have mindsets about race that are hurting you. Some of you have mindsets about sexuality that are hurting you. Some of you have mindsets about money that are hurting you. Some of you have mindsets about healthy, healthiness and eating that are hurting you. Some of you have mindsets about parenting and marriage. The list can go on and on and on and on that are hurting you. So what do you do? To embrace the new, to see what God wants to do in your life in a new and fresh way. You've got to release the old in your life. If you release what's in your hand, God will release what's in his to grow you. So friends, let me challenge you to grow in maturity. To listen to someone who may disagree with you. To listen to the other side. To sit down with someone who doesn't believe like you believe. And then dig and learn and ask God to show you the truth about something through his word. And I guarantee if you seek him, you shall find him. Let's stay tuned.